Call me, won't you? Written by Alice Althea. Read by Kaylin Wrights. Chapter 7. Tuesday, June 5th. Malfoy Manor had been old. Regal. Dark walls aged a paler shade, but still decadent. Hallways lined by running carpets, and portraits dotted between the windows like steadfast sentinels. Room after countless room. So many that sometimes Draco wondered if he had yet to see them all. His own room. His. A rich bed, the comfort of plush blankets, the knowledge that his parents slept barely half a floor away, just as comfortable and safe in their own beds. How much had changed. Draco's apartment wasn't regal. It wasn't decadent. It was old, certainly, but not in the same way the manor had been where panels still gleamed with refreshed polish at his parents' home. The wallpaper peeled at every corner in his apartment. Simple furniture, scuffed from the second-hand store, dotted the space. The light fitting was dimmed by dust and dead insects that had crawled within, for lack of Draco's care to fix it. A box of a television he'd barely used once upon a time, and couldn't say if it still worked, was wedged in a corner. The kitchen with muggle appliances humming so loudly he could hear it from his bedroom opposite it. That bedroom was hardly a bedroom at all, but more of a cupboard hidden between the kitchen and the dingy bathroom. It was small, tiny even. Draco hated it, down to the smells that rose from the carpet and occasionally from the drain in the kitchen sink. He spent as little time in it as he could, and not only because working hours upon hours was a way to kill the time. Everything about his shoebox apartment reeked of his circumstances. The deprecating words, It's just as much as you deserve, all but painted the walls in glowing letters. That evening, however, Draco didn't see those phantom letters. He didn't smell the old musty carpet, and he didn't register the hum of the refrigerator through the wall behind his head. Lying on his bed, the overhead light just as dim and dusty as its cousins in the kitchen and living room, Draco stared at the newspaper held aloft over his head. His eyes had long since blurred to the printed letters, but he couldn't bring himself to look away. It was an unspoken taboo for him to access wizarding papers, but an equally unspoken acknowledgement that the reality of his illicit behavior was overlooked. It was a last string, a final hold onto his world and Draco would even risk extending his sentence if it meant he could maintain that hold. The paper in his hands, edges slightly shredded from changing so many hands and crumpled further by the tightness of his grasp, was over a week old. He hadn't known. For a whole week, Draco hadn't known what he would find in the segment beneath the flowery font of Rochelle McGuinness's name. He still wasn't sure if it was a good thing that it had taken so long, or... No. No, it wasn't good. He'd spent too many hours, shared too many phone calls, and one phone call in particular, before knowing. One call that hadn't even mentioned the anniversary of the greatest horror of their time. A horror that even McGuinness momentarily sidelined in her article. Had the opportunity of interviewing Potter to hear his opinion on the piece. From his biography, as written by Alistair Ruffley, 2001, it is apparent that there was little love lost between Potter and his Slytherin classmates. When the subject arose, however, Potter had this to say. 
We were kids. Of course I don't still hate them. But you did? I inquire. We were kids, Potter repeats. I don't think I even knew what hate meant. Draco swallowed thickly, blinking the blurriness from his eyes to focus on the perfectly typed words. Hate. It was such a strong word. Draco had felt it countless times. Or he'd thought he had. Harry's sentiment all but crawled off the page and lodged into his throat. He'd read those words countless times that evening, and yet, still. Still. Intrigued, despite myself, and despite the original subject matter of our interview, I opted for pursuing the issue further. It was months since Potter's latest interview, and years since the subject of the aggressors of the war had arisen. I was curious to know more. What of those convicted? I ask. Ten years is a long time. Do you still agree with the sentences imposed upon traitors and murderers alike? Still? Potter asks. Did you not? I've already spoken about that in the past. Refresh my memory. I can't help but nudge. Hearing from his own mouth the controversial opinion that seems to have endured despite the years from its first utterance is a chance I could not miss. No, I don't agree with it. Potter doesn't hesitate. Not all of it. A blanket life sentence for anyone directly involved? What kind of judicial system doesn't consider the history and individual circumstances of the people it's convicting? Draco squeezed his eyes closed. He could see the words that followed. The listing of names. The mention of his mother, just as Harry had spoken on the phone weeks before. It rung with eerie symmetry, and he couldn't help but wonder. Had that been Harry's intention? Was that why he asked? Pure concern was just as likely a motive when it came to Harry, but for this? For this reason? How could Harry truly care? How could he plan as such and lay his head on the chopping block once more? And yet, even as Draco wondered, he didn't doubt it for a second. Not anymore. Not as he once had when he'd read Harry's declaration years before. I can all but see the ferocity of his feelings. Potter has always been a strong character, even as a child. He emerged on the other side of the war with the stamina and perseverance of one twice his age. Wrong, Draco thought, because now he knew better. Wrong, and yet no one seems to know. Why would you have a care for those who have wronged you so? You fought in a war, Harry. Potter looks almost sad. I did. And so did they. The convicted? And everyone else. Meaning? Draco couldn't read it. He didn't want to. Not again. Ten years it had taken him. Ten years to slowly, steadily, then with increasingly rapid commitment, come to fully appreciate what he'd done. To appreciate who he'd been. To realize how many people he'd hurt, and how many people had been implicated. Killed because he simply stood there and did nothing. Because he cared for himself and his mother and father to the exclusion of all else. Draco wasn't like Harry. He wouldn't have spoken as Harry did. The families, the children, the people who were implicated, hell, people that cry that they were controlled by the imperious curse, their sentences are just as unjust as the convicted and most of them didn't even do anything. 
I almost held my breath. Even a decade after the war, such controversial opinions are rarely thought, let alone spoken out loud. Yet, they come from families of dark witches and wizards, I say. So? Potter asks, as though he truly doesn't comprehend. So? What would you suggest otherwise? They can't be allowed to just walk free. And why not? Why should they not? People like Beatrice Applestone. She'll be barely an adult by the time her sentence is finished. Calvin McCullough. It was only his uncle who was involved. Just his uncle and he had to pay the price. Daphne and Astoria Greengrass. You went to school with both of them, I say. I know. They were Slytherin. So? They weren't evil. They didn't deserve the sentence they got. Pansy Parkinson, Marcus Flint, Draco Malfoy. He didn't. He definitely didn't. Draco Malfoy, to my understanding, was your hated schoolyard rival, no? And yet, you say... I don't hate him. Potter speaks with such conviction I could wholly believe him. As I said, I don't think I've ever hated him. He got stuck on the wrong side of the war because of the hand he was dealt. He shouldn't have to pay for it as he did. Draco had read Harry's words countless times. So many times they were imprinted on the inside of his eyelids. Harry's thoughts, his beliefs, his forgiveness where it hadn't even been asked for, let alone should be freely given. Draco's hands quivered on the edges of the newspaper, crumpling further as he pushed himself upright. His eyes blurred once more, but it was nothing on the thick, tight feeling in his throat, a heaviness in his chest that made it hard to breathe, the mind-numbing need to deny, to curse and spit, to deflect, what a simple yet profoundly jarring interview had all but slapped him in the face with. And to clutch it close, to cling to the lifeline thrown to him when nothing should have been spared in his direction. Draco squeezed his eyes closed, reading the imprinted words, hearing his name, his real name, in Harry's voice as he'd never spoken before. It hurt. How could it hurt so fiercely? The apartment was dark. It was lonely. The hum of electricity was loud, but it was barely a murmur to the rumble of the cars passing beyond Draco's open window. The drain in the kitchen had begun to emit its familiar odor in the hour since he'd been home. Yet Draco didn't smell it. He didn't see his shoddy apartment, nor hear the cars as they passed outside. Instead, unable to open his eyes to the tears that threatened to fall, Draco reached for his phone. Hello? Who is this? I don't have your number. Fuck you, Potter. I... what? Fuck you. You just... I can't believe you just... Oh, Draco. This is the first time you've called me. You knew. Knew what? Don't play dumb. I take it you mean the charity calls. How long did you know? That it was you? I've suspected for a little while. I just didn't know for sure. Why? Why what? If you knew, if you suspected it was me, then why would you? Draco? Don't call me that, Potter. 
Why not? Because you, you never call me by my name. Would you rather I called you David? Fuck off. You really want me to call you Malfoy? After everything, and all this time? Draco. You piss me off, Potter. Harry. Shut the fuck up. I'm angry at you. You should be... You sound more upset than angry. Shut up! What's wrong? Why did you call me? You've never called me before outside of work. Are you all right? Do you need... Don't ask me that. Don't always ask me if I... if I... What? You shouldn't be... Draco. I'm angry at you, damn it. I'm angry, Harry, because you can't... you can't just... What happened? The article. McGuinness's article. Oh. So, you read it? I fucking read it. I didn't think you had. It's over a week old and you didn't say anything. I'm not allowed to read a fucking newspaper, Harry. It's hard to get a hold of. Oh. I heard about the taboos put upon you, but the specifics aren't readily available to the public. How did you get a hold of it? That's not important. Okay, then. Why did it make you upset? I said I'm angry. Angry, then. Because. Because. Draco, can you, please, just tell me what's wrong? What's wrong with you? I, right now? Uh, Nothing that I'm aware of. Why are you like this? Like what? Doing shit like this. Like doing an interview? It's not like I particularly enjoy it, but I've been doing them for years. Not just the interview. Then what? Why are you so calm? All the time you're so calm. I'm not. You take the goddamn charity calls and you're so happy. You're so fine, except when you're not. And even then you're not angry. You're just... you're just... Sad, but you still try so bloody hard to be a good person. I, um... You pay everything you have to charities. Why? I... You call me because you think I need it. Don't pretend you don't. Why? I just... You talk about me, about Death Eaters, and people from the other side of the war, and you're just... you're... I'm sorry. What? For speaking of you. If you didn't want me to, then I'm... That's not what I'm talking about. Then what... Why are you so fucking good? I should hate you. By all rights, I should. But I don't. I should... We shouldn't speak to one another like we do. I shouldn't look forward to your calls, and you shouldn't make them more than just calls, but you always do. You should detest me for everything that I am, but you... You even... Even suspecting who I am, you didn't stop calling me. You didn't hate me. What is wrong with you? I just... Why do you try so hard? I... Out of everyone, you shouldn't be trying so hard. I should be... Other people should be... (sighs) What is wrong with you, Harry? I just... I want to do the right thing. I want to be a good person and... And help people. When I couldn't before. I just want to help. You just 
want to help. I could have done more. I should have done more, maybe. But I didn't, and and now I can, so I just want to help. Draco? You're... Are you still angry? Do you pity me? What? Is that it? I... no. I don't think so. I'm a charity case. Literally. Not really. Except for the literal part, because you actually work in... Shut up. Still bossy? I'm not at work. I'm allowed to be. You're bossy when you're at work, too. Shut up. Okay. What do you want from me? What? You call. You help me. Your donations are practically paying me directly. What do you want? Do I have to want something? Everyone wants something. I told you, I just want to help. Bullshit. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. And the rest? I just like talking to you. Draco? Bullshit. If you're going to call me a liar when I answer you, then don't ask me a question in the first place. You can't like talking to me. Why? Because I'm me. So? And you're you. So? You just can't. Except that I do. And if it's okay with you, I'd actually... What? Like to keep talking to you. I... What? I call you every week. For donations, yeah, but I meant... Yeah, donations. Yes. Okay. Then next week... You meant... What? Draco? And then, if not through work... Are you asking me or telling me? Don't be daft, Potter. Harry. Shut up. Would you pick up if I called? You have my number. Clearly. Of course. You mean... Any time, Draco. Call me. I don't understand you. That's fine. I don't really understand me either. You're a fool. I always suspected it, but now I know for sure. Thanks. It wasn't a compliment. I know. You called just for that? Was there another reason? Are you at home, alone? What are you insinuating? I'm not insinuating anything. I'm just asking a question. Why? I suppose I just... Potter? It's nothing. Harry? (laughs) What is it? I just wasn't sure if you'd be around for any particular reason. Why wouldn't I be? Happy birthday, Draco. I'm really glad you called. The apartment still stank, and Draco could smell it this time. The traffic beyond the window was still loud. He heard it, too. The grimy walls were still incessantly grimy, and they likely would be long after Draco eventually left them.
which he would. Some day he would leave his shoddy little apartment and never look back. It was a promise he made himself almost every night, and yet such thoughts could not be further from his mind. The mobile phone clutched between his hands was old and battered, so scuffed that the color was almost indecipherable, and not only from Draco's carelessness, but that of the previous owners, too. The screen bore as many battle scars as the case itself, but staring down at the glaring light in his otherwise dark room, Draco could still make out the number depicted in precise, perfect letters. Bloody Harry Potter. His voice, his words, the gentleness and kindness and... all of it. Even his number was perfect, which didn't make a lick of sense, but Draco completely understood nonetheless. He wanted to hate him. Draco wanted to cling to his childhood grievances. There was so little that remained of his past self. To give up even that would be like closing the final door on all that had passed. Until so recently, Draco hadn't even considered it a possibility. He hadn't thought it a necessity. Why shouldn't he hate Potter? Why shouldn't that, at least, linger from the rose-tinted life he'd once lived? Then the calls started. Then Potter spoke. Then Draco learned more about him, and he was no longer Potter, but Harry. The epitome of goodness, but in a different way. Good, but frayed at the edges, and clinging to the brink with just as much struggle as the rest of the world. From a distance, Draco had thought, had known, that Harry had it better, that he had it easier being the war hero that he was. So he donated to charities. He could afford to. So he spoke up for the weak. Of course he would. He was a martyr. And besides, who would stand in opposition of the savior? McGinnis's article had shown just that. Even if she disagreed with Harry's opinion, was all but rattled by it, she had nothing but positive words. Even in the face of his once enemies, Harry Potter remains the just and goodly saviour he has always been. It was a sickeningly sweet final word to her piece, but Draco agreed. He didn't think he'd ever agreed to anything so much in his entire life. Draco wanted to hate Harry, but he didn't think he'd wanted to not hate someone just as much in his entire life either. More than that, to be not hated in return. Happy birthday, he'd said, and it had sounded like a genuine wish rather than a simple platitude. I'm really glad you called, he'd said. It had sounded like he meant that, too. The thickness that had clung to Draco's throat throughout the entire phone call swelled and wasn't loosened in the least by a shuddering swallow. His eyes stung as he stared at Harry's number, burning as his trembling fingers twitched, hesitated then hastened to add the number to his contact list. So few people. So few numbers. But Draco thought Harry's name would stand out like a beacon, even had he the contact details of every person he'd ever spoken to. Harry was simply like that. Harry, who chose to stand and speak for the likes of Draco. Draco didn't think he was special, not anymore. He didn't believe that Harry chose him specifically, just as he didn't think it was any kind of magical intention that had added his number to the list of callers Draco was to contact 
what felt like so many months ago. But maybe it was fate. Maybe, in spite of what he'd done and what he deserved, what he didn't deserve, fortune had dealt Draco a generous hand. He didn't deserve it, but Draco would take it. He knew he didn't deserve the benefit of Harry's number, of taking him up on the offer of talking to him, but he would. Even having spoken to him barely moments before, the urge to call again, to press his phone to his ear and hear Harry's voice, was almost impossible to resist. It didn't help that he knew Harry would take the call, too. He would take it, and he'd talk for as long as Draco needed it. Too good for me, was a thought that played on repeat, over and over and over, since the moment Draco had ended the call. Far too good for me. But he would take it. Not because Harry was the wizarding savior, but because he was Harry. In spite of himself and the chant ringing through his mind on feverish, pitiful repeat, speaking to him made Draco better. A better person? A happier person? Maybe a bit of both. Draco didn't realize his eyes had blurred until a call for attention drew his gaze to the window. The streetlights beyond throbbed like a hazy lumos, and he could only just make out a slight figure on the sill. Piewacket, he said. He sniffed. He cleared his throat and tried again. Pie, get out of the window. I've told you not to climb up there. The drop is too far. The cat meowed, but, as if accepting his words, she hopped into the room. A shadow against the paler shadows seeping across the room. She slipped to Draco's side and vaulted onto the bed in a fluid movement. Draco hadn't wanted a cat. He thought he still didn't want one and had never had a care for animals, nor a willingness to learn to care for them. But Piewacket was different. An accident that had turned into a blessing. For though she was only a cat, she somehow made the apartment feel bigger, less lonely. Flicking a finger at her as she butted his hand, Draco swiped his other across his face, swearing at the wetness that made a mess of his cheek in an attempt to clean himself up. He wasn't particularly effective, but as Piwacket clambered into his lap, up his chest, and butted her face into his chin instead, she didn't protest at the dampness. That she'd likely shed enough hair to stick to his face in a makeshift beard didn't bother Draco as much as perhaps it should have. What do you want? Draco muttered. Piwacket offered a hushed mew in reply. I can't give you anything. You know that. I'm... Piwacket drew away from him slightly, meeting Draco's gaze with her lambent own, before butting his chin once more. The thickness resurged in his throat, but Draco didn't let the tears fall this time. I can't give you anything. Why are you here for me? Why do you care? Draco didn't ask further, though. Not that night. Flopping back onto his bed, his phone clutched in his hand, he drifted into something that wasn't sleep, but was achingly, heartwarmingly close to it. Piwacket curled up alongside him, a warm body at his belly, and content to simply remain close. To touch. It had been so long since he'd simply touched someone. The little cat was with him for no other apparent reason than that she was, and that 
meant everything. Draco didn't mind. Rather, he thought perhaps he might even like it. It wasn't much of a birthday, but the gift was the best he could remember.